I'm one of the pastors here, and it's fantastic to be here this morning. Uh, if you have a Bible, uh, please keep it open so that you can see that what I'm saying comes from the Word of God, and I'm just not up the front here making it up. That'll be wonderful. Well, let's begin in prayer. Please pray with me. Heavenly Father, we pray now as we come to your Word. Father, we pray that you will speak to us through it. And Father, we pray that you'll transform and change us to be more like your Son, and it's in his name we pray. Amen. He's so annoying. He never does any work. He just sits in his office all day and reads theological books. He doesn't help mow the lawn, play games with the kids, or take the rubbish out. Now, this is not my lovely wife coming to me when I've dropped the ball at home. It's not how she comes, because... I never drop the ball at home. Is that right, fathers, husbands? We never drop the ball at home. No, this is me having a conversation with myself about my fellow ministry apprentice when I was at university. I was thinking I was doing all the ministry work and he just sat in his office and read books all day. Well, over the two years of working together, I got slowly more angry with him, more frustrated and more annoyed. And then one day, do you know what happened? We did a wonderful thing called some personality work. And guess what? We were polar opposites. He was a Mary and I was a Martha. And do you know what actually shocked me even more? He was as annoyed with me as I was with him. Now, I couldn't figure out why, because I thought I was doing all the work. But he was frustrated with me because I wasn't valuing relationships and people and spending time in God's word over getting things done. Well, little did I know, I had a lot to learn from a ministry apprentice friend. And this is the same for both Mary and Martha in this passage. They've got a lot to learn from each other. And friends, we get the privilege of walking alongside them and learning as well. And we will see, we need to have our priorities right. Jesus first, job second. Worship first, work second. We need to have a heart like Mary and hands like Martha. So as we're going to unpack this, We'll also get to the end and we will see that Jesus actually gives us something, whether we're a Mary or a Martha, to make us more like the other. So stay around to the end for that. But let's begin by getting into the passage and working out who we are, who we relate to. Are you a Mary or are you a Martha? Now my guess is you probably already know. But if you don't, have a look at verse 39 with us. It shows us that Mary was there, sitting at the Lord's feet, listening to what he said. Now, Marys. Marys are those contemplative types, the reflective types, the present types. Marys love silence and solitude. They love studying, prayer, journaling, Bible reading. They love deep and meaningful chats. They don't like small talk. Are you a Mary? They value relationships over getting stuff done. Are you a Mary? Or are you a Martha? Have a look at verse 40 with me. Martha, 
was distracted by all the preparations that had to be made. Uh, she came to Jesus and she asked, Lord, don't you care that my sister has left me to do all the work by myself? Tell her to come and help me. Now Martha's, Martha's are the doers. They drive events. They've got the people of action. They've got to-do lists for their to-do list like Hannah does. They feel like there's never enough time in the day to get everything done. They've got their hands in so many pies they don't know which one is which. They're on all the committees. Uh, they get easily distracted by their busyness. They get stuff done. They also feel tired and overwhelmed and stressed and sometimes they get frustrated and angry with the Marys. <sighs> I'm just stressed reading that. Because the Marys seem like they're not doing anything to help the Marthas. Are you a Martha? Marys, they value relationships. Marthas worry about their responsibilities. Now, most of us here will know who we are, whether we're a Mary or a Martha. But if you still don't know who you are, ask a close friend. They'll tell you pretty quick which one you are. I, I uh, had a conversation with my wife this week. I said, who do you think I am, a Mary or a Martha? And without skipping a beat, she said, you're a Martha. But I actually didn't hear what she said because I was off doing the next job. <laughs> and that sort of annoyed her because she's a Mary. And she wanted to sit and engage me with a long conversation. But the thing we, we've learned in being different people is actually we're both trying to love each other. We're just coming from different vantage points. I'm trying to love my wife Elaine by getting things done for her. And she's trying to love me by slowing me down and sitting and chatting and having those wonderful conversations. Now, if you're married here, who are you married to? Are you married to a Mary? Or are you married to a Martha? Or who are you? Are you a Mary or a Martha? Uh, how can you learn from your opposite to love them better? Or if you're on a work team, who are you in that team? Are you a Mary or are you a Martha? Who's on your team? And how can you better understand them and love them if they are different to you? Or what about at church? Do you know the Marthas at church? The Marthas are the, the people at church that straight after the service, they duck off because they've got jobs to do. They've got to get to put the urn on. They've got to put the cups out. They've got to get the morning tea out. And do you know who the Marys are? Marys are lovely. They sit and they talk and they welcome the new people and they're sitting on the chairs while the Marthas are still trying to pack the chairs away that the Marys are sitting on. <laughs> Have you been in that situation? Marthas are getting so frustrated because the Mary's not moving because she's drinking the coffee that Martha has brought her to subtly move her on. <laughs> and she's then sipping on it, having a great conversation with another Mary. But do you know the beauty of that? We actually need both for the church to function. We need our Marthas and we need our Marys. One actually is not really better than the other in a church context. We need both for us to function as a community. So if you're a Martha, thank you. Thank you for the coffees. Thank you for the morning tea. Thank you for all the things you do. And if you're a Mary, thank you. Thank you for picking up the slack that the Marthas leave behind. Well, who are you? Are you a Mary? Are you a Martha? 
And if you find yourself in that moment getting annoyed with someone at church, maybe just stop and pause before you get annoyed at them and ask yourself, who am I dealing with? Are they a Mary? Are they a Martha? Because what they're doing at that very moment is very important to that other person. So how can we love them? How can we learn from them? How can we show grace to them in that moment? Because we need Marys and Marthas here at church. So let's now turn and have a little bit more of a deeper dive into the Marys and the Marthas in this passage. And we're going to see good Martha and bad Martha and bad Mary and good Mary. You tracking with me? Good Martha, bad Martha. Let's start there. In verse 38, it should come up on the screen, we see that Martha is initially portrayed positively. Uh, She's out there welcoming Jesus into her house to show hospitality to him. Now, it's just not welcoming Jesus, is it? Who's traveling along with Jesus? His disciples. So there's 13 extra people into her house. Now, I got sprung a little while ago and had uh, all the youth leaders over. I didn't get sprung. I had 13 extra people in my house and I was prepared for them. And it was still stressful. But imagine not having gas cooking, a fridge, an oven. Imagine having to make bread by hand. That's a whole other level of stress. But this is Martha. She wants to show hospitality. She wants to love people. And that's her heart. And Martha's actions of actually doing all this work benefit other people, namely Mary. Mary gets to sit at Jesus' feet and listen to what he has to say. So Martha is portrayed positively in this passage. But there's also, it flips, doesn't it? It moves from positive Martha to negative Martha in the passage. We we see in verse 40, Martha has become distracted with much serving. Uh, she's actually overextended herself. She's overcommitted herself. She's taken on too much. Now, are there any Marthas here who have done that once or twice in their life? I know I have. And then as a result, maybe you'll track along with this, Marthas. As a result, verse 40, she experiences resentment. She's starting to feel a bit underappreciated and burdened by her self-imposed workload. And then look at what she does in the rest of verse 40. She comes to Jesus and just these negative emotions explode out of her in a judgmental and self-righteous attitude. She starts to question, not Mary, but she questions Jesus' care for her. And she complains about her sister. Have a look at verse 40. She says, Lord, don't you care that my sister has left me to do all the work by myself? Now, can you imagine that scene out in the lounge room? Mary's confronted Jesus. But look how Jesus responds. He doesn't get angry at her. He doesn't attack her. He doesn't get aggressive. He just very gently and calmly seeks to reorientate Martha to what's important. Verse 41 and 42. Martha, Martha. You are worried and upset about many things, but few things are needed. Or indeed, actually, Martha, only one. Mary has chosen what is better, 
and it will not be taken away from her. I'm not going to send Mary back out to help you because she's picked the most important thing. Now for us, friends, the Martha's amongst us. This passage is a warning about many things. It's a warning about taking on too much, being too overburdened by our self-imposed jobs, where we're left feeling overwhelmed and frustrated and angry at other people. But it's also, and more importantly, a message about not being too busy and distracted and missing what's really important. And that is spending time with Jesus. Jesus first, job second, worship first, work second. Now I want to dig a little bit deeper on Martha because I think we live in a Martha world. And as I've been asking people this week, it's been about an 80-20 split between Martha's and Mary's. And I think our culture sort of says, you get a gold medal when someone asks how you are and you say, I'm busy. Now, why are we so busy? Why, why do you think Martha is so busy in this moment? Yeah, sure, she's, she's trying to provide a good meal for Jesus. But I think there's something underneath that. I think Martha is so busy because she's finding meaning, value, purpose, and identity in providing this banquet for Jesus. And I think maybe we are so busy because we're finding meaning, value, and identity through what we do rather than through our Lord and Savior. So there's a warning for us all. Who are we looking to for identity? Are we out the back trying to bring a good present to Jesus? Or are we at the front like Mary sitting in his presence? Because he is all we need. Jesus first. Job second. Worship first. Work second. All right. Now let's turn to the bad Mary. Has anyone ever preached on a bad Mary from this passage before? I actually don't think so. I couldn't find it. So I thought I'd do a bit something different. And, and we'll get to the good Mary. But firstly, bad Mary. Uh, Mary, verse 38. Did you notice... Verse 38, Mary didn't open her home to Jesus. It was Martha. She was the one out there extending the arm of hospitality. But I think more generally for Marys. Marys can often hide behind being contemplative as an excuse for laziness or not getting in and doing the work. I don't think we could say today that, you know, I didn't do my jobs today because I spent the whole day reading God's word. I don't think the passage is giving us Mary's that excuse. I also don't think the passage is saying, you know, because Mary's a contemplative, that doesn't mean they have to do things like evangelism or provide meals to people who need pastoral care. I don't think that's an excuse that we can hide behind. And the other thing about Mary is Mary seems to have lacked the self-awareness to see how her actions were impacting others. So if you're a Mary after church and you're still sitting on the seat and everyone else has gone home and there's someone stamping their feet around you, <laughs> take note. Keep chatting. 
because talking to people is very important. The Martha can wait. <laughs> It'll be good for their patience. But let's go to the good Mary. Mary has her priorities right. Jesus points that out. She's sitting, verse 39, at Jesus' feet, humbly learning, soaking up every word that she can. And then in verse 42, have a look at verse 42 with me. Jesus points out to Martha that Mary has chosen what is better. Now, the NIV, I like the NIV, but it slightly obscures what's going on here because Jesus is being quite pointed. And I think the ESV captures it slightly better when they've translated what is better to be the good portion. Now, do you remember back in the Old Testament when the priests were taking the best portions of meat for themselves to make themselves fat? Well, that's the same concept that's being picked up here. Mary was out, and Martha was out the back trying to make Jesus a good portion. But Jesus is using this play on words and saying, actually, he is the good portion that Martha needs to feed on. And Mary has chosen the good portion. Jesus is the meal that Martha should be dining on rather than preparing the meal for Jesus. And a thing in verse 42 that Jesus also points out to Martha that Mary has grasped is that meals will come and go, but his word will remain. It will not be taken away. And so Mary has her priorities right. She's got Jesus first, job second. Worship first, work second. So what's the big point? What's Luke trying to impart to us? What's Jesus trying to teach in this moment? Well, it's that. It's asking us the question, have we got our priorities right? Are we rushing past spending time with Jesus to get to our jobs? Or are we just sitting in our jobs, uh, sitting in our, in our time with Jesus, but never getting to our jobs? We have to find that balance. And I think the balance is found in, in worshipping like Mary, but also working like Martha. So for the Marys amongst us, maybe we need to have our radar up a little bit more, our antenna up, and thinking, how can I actually help in this situation? And for the Marthas amongst us, maybe we need to think through our priorities. Are we actually cramming too much into our day that we don't have time for Jesus? Or maybe we should say no to something to give value to the things that we say yes to. Jesus first, job second. But if I ended there and said, now go out and do better, I think we'd all leave a little bit depressed, wouldn't we? Because I think we're all old enough and wise enough to realize that, you know, we'll do better for a week, maybe two. But then we'll just slip back into the old attitudes and old rhythms of our life. We'll stay as a Mary or we'll stay as a Martha. But this passage actually isn't calling us to change. Did you notice that? Jesus isn't calling Martha to change. He's actually calling us to feed on him. The good portion. The meal that can never be taken away. The meal that forever nourishes and satisfies abundantly. 
He wants us to remember that, that we are also yoked to him and he makes our burdens light. He doesn't lump on extra burdens. So the question we want to end with is how does he do this for the Marys and the Marthas amongst us? Well, I think to the Marthas, he would say, it's to the Marthas who rush past their worship and go straight to work. He would say, you're forgiven. You're forgiven. But he would also say, trust in me because I perfectly worshipped God. And how did he do that? Well, his perfect worship of God took him all the way to the cross for all the times that we chose our jobs over Jesus. He says, I've given my life for you, Martha's. I have paid it all. I have done all the work. There is nothing left for you to do. It is finished. And you can rest in that. You can find your peace in that. You can find your identity in that finished work. I am your good portion, Martha. Feed on me. Well, for the Marys amongst us, I think Jesus would keep saying, keep sitting at my feet. Keep learning from me. But don't stay there. Because as it says in Ephesians 2 verse 10, God has prepared good works for all of us to do who have been saved by him. So go out and do them. Because Jesus is our model. He did not just worship. Jesus worked. He did both. And he did them both perfectly. And he ultimately worked by going to the cross and taking on the weight of all of our sin. So do you see actually at the cross and in Jesus, you see perfect worship and perfect work colliding at the cross. Colliding at the cross. And it's at the foot of the cross that both Mary and Martha need to come. And it's at the foot of the cross that you and I need to come to find our rest, our peace, our security, our hope, our forgiveness in him. Because as we feed on Jesus, that good portion, he frees us from our tendency and our need to overwork, to prove ourselves. He frees us to worship, then work. Because Jesus has done all the jobs we need to do. But do you know what also? He frees us to forgive that Mary or that Martha that annoys us every week. Because he's forgiven us. And then he graciously gives us the gift of his spirit to make us not more like Mary and not more like Martha, but to make us more like him in whom you find the perfection of Mary and Martha. So as I reflect on my early time in ministry as a young minister, I could see that I was a Martha working with a Mary. But I could also see that I had a lot to learn from the Marys in my life. Learning to be still. Learning to sit with Jesus. Learning not to rush to my jobs, but resting in the fact that Jesus has got this. Now, I've been trying to 
put Jesus first before my jobs this week. And I don't want to share this with the ministry team. But it's really hard. It's really hard to put Jesus first before the jobs. But this is where I find things like the soap readings really helpful. They're just a mechanism to help us stop and reflect and take time before we rush off with our day. So I want to encourage you after the service, over a cup of tea or coffee that a Martha has provided to you, I want to encourage you to sit or stand, whichever you feel comfortable, and ask the person, are you a Mary or a Martha? Have that chat. But then secondly, I want you to encourage one another and share ways in which you put Jesus first before jobs. Share how you worship before you work. Because I think we can learn from each other in how we do that. Amen? Amen. Let's pray. Heavenly Father, we thank you for this word. We thank you for Mary and Martha and how these sisters are polar opposites. But Lord, we thank you too for your gentleness and your redirection of Martha back to what is important. Lord, I pray that for those amongst us who need that gentle redirection, Lord, I pray that you would do that and your spirit would work in our hearts. And for those of us that need encouragement to continue to work as you have worked, we pray that you would move in our hearts also. And we pray, Lord, that ultimately you would be making us more and more and more into your likeness. And it's in your son's name we pray. Amen.